Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it! Lamar Odom has won it for Rhode Island! In traffic, off-balance shot. Back in! Jared Terrell in Rhode Island has done it in the final five seconds on a circus shot from Jared Terrell. A career-high night for him and a victory for Rhode Island. Look it up, Dutton. Run out, Rowdy, look out, Oh, steal by Vance Russell off of Young. Three. Don't do it to him like that, Vance. Dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He ducks it home as the buzzer sounds. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. All right, Rowdy Baseline fans, welcome back. We know it's been a long time, but between the holidays, scheduling, we promised you guys a guest. Fortunately, he got busy and couldn't really do his normal stuff, so we got the better option. We got Dave from Rody Rampage that we're going to talk to about how the season's going so far, our Archie Miller takes, and talk about our amazing women's program. But before we get into that, and welcome Dave, I just want to say if you could follow us all on our social medias, and right now, Gary and myself, we're working with the Live Like Russ Foundation to do Super Bowl squares. So reach out to us on our social medias and we can get you guys some squares. We've got plenty available still. $20 per square. Half goes to the pot and half goes to the Live Like Russ Foundation. So make sure you guys help us out with that one. And with that being said, Dave, we want to welcome you to talking about all things Roadie Hoops in the first half of the conference schedule. Hey, thanks for having me. So two things. One, I know you guys did let me know who that special guest was. I, I won't spoil it if you don't want to say it, but I can't believe I'm bumping him. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the second thing is um, we'll talk after this, but I definitely want some of those squares. Oh, perfect. Um, we appreciate it. Yeah. And hopefully I can win all the money because I want to go on a nice vacation. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> anyway, well, we might as well jump right in. We'll start with the men. Obviously, there's a lot to undress there because... With the women, all you can say is all they do is win. So, but I'm sure we can find things to nitpick on that. But starting off with the men, what can I think the last time we really talked was the BC game with you? But what can you say so far about conference play? Is it where you think they'd be? What have they done good, bad, and different? And we can just jump off from there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I almost am hesitant to say this, but I, I'd say they're they're a little better than I thought they were going to be, you know, to be sitting at four and five at, at this point, um, you know, they had the Georgia state game right before conference play. They had the Duquesne game uh, that Fordham win is looking a lot better. The Bonaventure win is looking a lot better. Uh, they hit some bumps. I mean, that LaSalle game was super frustrating, but, you know, to come off a win over Dayton, which is, you know, preseason ranked team. Um, I know they're, they're not close to that now, but they're still one of the top two or three teams in the league with with St. Louis and VCU. And then, um, you know, that LaSalle game where they didn't really play particularly well, but still found a way. I mean, it, it's super encouraging. Now they have a three game road swing. If they can find a way to win a road, just a road game, right, yeah. um, uh, that that would uh, that would help. And um you know, they're in seventh place in a six-way tie right now. The the tiebreakers aren't in their favor. They're probably 
uh, in the bottom six, which is the new bottom four. But as of right now, but there's there's plenty of time to make that up. And if they continue to to play like they've been playing, you know, I really only have the at St. Louis and the VCU game at home circled as games that I don't feel great about. But really, any of those other games are are very very winnable. Yeah, I definitely definitely agree with you that. I know it seems like a tall task, but seven and two seems like a a very realistic goal because not to mention, you got to think that George Mason game, they're going to want revenge. The UMass game, they're going to want revenge. And that Fordham game, I, I don't know about you, Dave, but Gary and I are making the trip down. So we know we'll be bringing the ruckus to the Bronx on a Saturday afternoon at the end of February. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I won't be there for that one. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Fordham, I get the kind of the story of the conference right now, but, but you or I did beat them and they were beating them pretty well for most of that game uh, back in early January, almost let it slip away, but didn't, but yeah, I mean, UMass, they got them at home this time, Mason again on the road, but you know, like to think that with some adjustments, they could, they could play better. They could certainly play harder than they did in that game. Uh, GW, I mean, geez, you look up and down this conference. It's like a race to the middle right now. Right. There's, uh, there's not a lot, you know, like I said, St. Louis VCU, they already played Dayton and beat them. So, you know, maybe they beat VCU at home too. I mean, yeah, we always play VCU tough. So definitely I wouldn't shock me. And I feel like we can say what we want about how the students and all that stuff, but I feel like that's a game that people are going to come out for and very well could be a another 6,000 people Ryan center. And we know from Saturday when the Ryan centers rock and they're really hard to beat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, just looking at the remaining schedule, I mean, it could go great. It could go terrible. Uh, but I feel like even somewhere in between great and terrible could get them out of that bottom six and into, you know, the nine seat or the eight seat or something like that, which year one, I mean, I was predicting this team to be in the 10 to 15 uh, or 11 to 15 seed range. If they get out of that, then then my expectations are are well exceeded at this point. I think anything less than 500 over the last two months of this season, month and a half would be a poor, you could say would be a failure. If you get to 500 and you're in that eight, nine range and you're not playing on the first night, obviously that's a step up better than last year. But I also think you brought up the LaSalle game. I think that's a game this team would have lost two, three weeks ago. 100%. If that 100%. makes sense. And that should oh, just yeah. show you the growth in this team. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, that last, uh, I mean, they were down like 14 with 10 and change left in that game. It was it was over uh, until it wasn't. And and I thought Archie's coaching decision to go with essentially their their five best players, you know, with, with Thomas instead of Freeman, um, you know, I think Fre- Freeman in that mix is your real five best players, but Thomas was playing well. He was distributing well. Leggett was in his bag. They just went small and they, they unlocked something. I mean, it was a, just a genius coaching decision and it just, it completely put them over the hump. It got a little dicey at the end when they were up five and they threw the inbounds yeah. out of bounds, but well, it's because they don't know how to win yet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But they they still found a way. Yeah. Uh, and they and, and the other big thing, this is something that I've been saying to anyone and everyone on Twitter, whoever I talk to, the key is for this team is getting to the free throw line. It oh, it's yeah. it's their most efficient way to score 
this season. And uh, there were not a lot of fouls called in the first half of that game. Either way, they were really letting them play. And you or I found their way into the bonus with like, I don't know, 11 minutes left, something like that. And that LaSalle game, and and that made the, that made all the difference down the stretch because they really earned it at the stripe with with Leggett especially, but but others as well. So I mean that that was absolutely huge. And when have you seen a URI team going back to the David Cox errors, going back to the Danny Hurley errors that you'd want to see on the free throw line? Never mind actually making free throws. Yeah, and there's no one on this team where you're like, oh, geez, I hope that the guy doesn't go to the line. I mean, they're all good. Even, you know, Sam and and Chiku and Bilal when he was healthy. I know that's not the case anymore, and he's done for the year. But, you know, anybody on this team going to the line, it's like, okay, all right, we're good. So it's it's a very, <laughs> it's a strange feeling. But, I mean, Ish is shooting almost 85%, you know, carries shooting 81%, Weston 80%. I mean, this is ridiculous. Even Sam 77%. So big man shooting over 70%. I know it's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's how this team is winning games, limiting turnovers, getting to the line, playing super hard. And it's a formula that that's starting to pay dividends right now. And I think you brought up the other two, Big things that us URI fans have noticed this season that really follow the team and have podcasts and stuff, the rebounding and the turnover margin. Look at Dayton. We out-rebounded them by six rebounds and only had 11 turnovers. And against LaSalle, we I believe we also out-rebounded them. And LaSalle had some big boys down there. And we got to the free throw line another, or we only turned the ball over 12 times like what yeah and I, I think eight of those were in the first half too so yeah 41 to 35 in the rebounding margin in that game too so yeah they're not the best rebounding team I've ever seen and they're relying on their guards to get a lot of their rebounds you know carry uh Leggett I think Sebastian Thomas is a tremendous rebounder um obviously Martin but Freeman and Weston and those guys they're grabbing boards they're they're crashing on both ends and um you know, it's clearly what they have to do right now because they're thin up front, but but it's working. And the other thing that leads to that is it's an improvement from the beginning of the season, which I don't think any of us were expecting to go to the tournament. But to see these improvements is great, in my opinion, and really, really gives you confidence that we have the right man for the job. And the other thing is this team has no quit in them. They were down 11 at halftime on a Saturday afternoon at the Ryan Center with a late arriving crowd. You could have easily folded and lost that game by 15-20. And, but no, they came back and fought, and that's what you want to see in your first year in a new era. Yeah, I mean, the culture is being established. You can tell. You know, the the defensive system is sound. The offensive system is sound. You know, they could use maybe some, you know, some more improvement from some of their current players and, and future players, obviously, uh, next year. But um, but that's all good. And and the the hard work, I mean, what was it's I think it's the URI basketball uh, Twitter cover photo. And I, I can't I'm embarrassed to not know it off the top of my head, but, you know, hard, smart, fast together. I just brought it up. I had to cheat. But um, <laughs> oh, but, but that's it. But that's how they're playing. You know, they're playing hard. They're playing smart. They're playing fast. and They're playing together. I mean, that's it. The, the culture is already in place. So to have that two-thirds of the way through year one is you know they're way ahead of schedule in my opinion you know, at least on that front and i think you also 
something that's different is you have the accountability from the top down this year as you haven't had in the past. And you also have a coach who's not afraid to make moves or make in-game adjustments. I think that's what everybody's biggest peeve with Coach Cox was, is he wouldn't change anything. You're telling me Coach Cox last year was in that same position. He would have put five guards in and started that comeback. I personally, I don't think so. So it's nice to see you have a coach who's accountable, knows when it's his fault, and then a coach who also makes massive mid-games adjustments that could work or could not work. And in this case, it worked. And quite frankly, this could be a recipe for success in the rest of the conference because we all we all know that this team's strength is guards. And now if you can have your five guards on the court at the same time and come back from an 11-point league outside of VCU and the St. Louis's of the world, you just beat one of the best teams in the conference, Dayton, kind of like that, and then come back from 11 points against a decent LaSalle team. What team in the conference is going to be able to compete with that? Yeah. And, you know, further to that, you know, what Archie did with uh, with Bray Freeman earlier in the year when he was struggling, you know, he sat him down um, and that that could have gone poorly. Um, it could have gone real poorly, but it worked. So he clearly knows what he's doing. Uh, Freeman, ever since that, has been a completely different player. He's been one of the better players in the conference, second best player on the team uh, behind Leggett. You know, that one two punch with with carry right there, too. So, yeah, it's he's he's pushing the right buttons. Obviously, we know the Balau injury hurts. Uh, the fact that it's it's kind of a rebuild. And, and when he took over, you know, the, the cupboard was kind of bare. A lot of guys left. So, you know, knowing all that with that kind of qualifier there, it's just it's going as well as it, it possibly could, in my opinion, right now. Oh, I completely agree. And I think I think the goal for the rest of this season should be to get try to get to 500, hopefully win one at least one game in Brooklyn, set yourself up for a big summer with all your guys on campus, bring in the new recruits. That would be the great thing. And the one thing I did want to touch on, Dave, because you were with you've been with us for a couple of years now. My least favorite guy, and I'm gonna eat crow, and I think I've done it already this season, but Jalen Carey has slowly started to become one of one of my favorite players on this team. He was great against LaSalle. I thought just big bucket after big bucket. And when there were times where, you know, the offense was maybe slipping a little bit, he was creating his own shot. So, I mean, 18 points, six rebounds, two blocks. He's he's blocking shots like crazy. One of those blocks came in the first half and LaSalle tried to jack up a three uh, as the shot clock was expiring on the left wing and carry just came flying out of nowhere. And a lot of times when you see a three blocked, it's like a little tip and it, it lands somewhere in the paint or floats somewhere in the paint comes up short. This was a, this was a SWAT. <laughs> he just stuffed him. I've never seen anything like that from a guard anyway. Uh, so that was, that was pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. I, I love the way he's playing right now. And it's clear too, at least to me, and I don't have any inside info on this, but his first couple of games, it seemed like he was really playing hurt. And I think Archie even mentioned it, that the injury that he had that caused him to miss that chunk of games occurred, you know, before the season even started. So now that he's back, he's healthy. He's, you know, 
a clear starter and and clearly in that that big three of uh, you know alongside uh, Leggett and Freeman. Yeah, I don't think we saw it the day he came back. I don't think you're as you have won as many games as you have without Jalen Carey. And I know it, me going back on my words from last show, and I absolutely hated him. Was hoping he'd be one of the guys to transfer. But Jalen Carey has proved me wrong, and I can't wait to see what he does the rest of this season and the next season because he is only going to get better with age and experience in the Archie Miller system. I think part of that is because Archie's a guard coach, and he gives that freedom not only to Jalen, but to Brian, to Ish, to Sebastian, to all the guards. And you're starting to see it now that the guys trust it and they're seeing the results on the court. You're seeing – Archie give them more and more freedom and not for nothing. You're also seeing Archie get more and more engaged in the season. I can't, I couple of times in that first half against LaSalle, he was right there in the middle of the court going fist bumping and everything. And I can't outside of, it hasn't been since the Hurley days since we've seen a coach get involved like that. And it's great to see that the passion is back there. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple times I looked up and I'm like, oh my god, Archie's at like he's on the he's on the RI logo at center court in the, in the middle of play. Uh, but but yeah, and to your point too, um, you know, I, I think Archie is the perfect coach for someone like Carrie, and obviously for someone like Leggett too. The the leaps and bounds he's he's made over last year have been insane, and I think, and I'm a pretty I'm like 99 sure on this. That carry uh, that um, Archie recruited Carrie out of high school uh, when he was at Indiana, so they already have that kind of connection. He knows that this is a guy that that he can coach, that he can work with with his skill set. So, yeah, like to your point, guard coach clearly. That's and and his Dayton teams too. You know, they didn't have a lot of big men, and they just did it with guards and wings. And and I imagine you'll see a similar formula for success here, right? Because Let's not call let's call it spade a spade. The A ten's a mid major conference. You don't need the over you don't need the seven footers to win conference championships in here. And I think what I can say is there's coaches who are meant for the big time and there's coaches who are meant for mid major success. And I think we can see it from his time in Indiana compared to Dayton. Everybody's gonna be worried. Oh, what happens when Archie gets Rhode Island back on the map? I Quite frankly, I could you could very well make an argument that this could be Archie's spot for a very long time. I feel like he thinks that as long as the money keeps coming in and that I could see Archie being like, am I really a big-time coach? And even his brother is having major success at Xavier. I don't think Archie's a big conference Power 5 guy. I really don't. You need that special – you need that – not only do you need the X's and O's, but you need that, that it factor. I don't know if Archie really has that social it factor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is the one great thing for I will us. say. Yeah, totally. The one thing I will say about Indiana is a couple things. One, I don't think they gave him enough time there. Two, they probably would have made the tournament in 2020 if it wasn't canceled for COVID. Um, and three, their fans and their administration and their decision makers think that they're a lot better than they actually are, <laughs> in my opinion. At Indiana, Not everybody I mean, can have a the Indiana. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the Indiana of the of the seventies and eighties. So this isn't Bobby Knight's Indiana, but hey, works works for us. Um, we'll take them. And obviously, we've spent the last however many minutes just heaping praise on him, but it's well deserved. So right. But the one thing I can question him on, and 
obviously there's not much because obviously the team has improved. If we were talking about this two, three weeks ago, I would have asked you, when does the honeymoon phase end? But I think he's bought himself some time where nobody's going to be questioning why aren't we winning games because you can see the improvements. But the one thing I will ask, not as in addition to the when does the honeymoon phase end, I know a lot of fans are asking about it, and I'm curious. Why haven't we seen more of Louie? We saw him for a few games in the bat in the beginning of the season, and then all of a sudden he just fell out of the rotation. And I feel like Louie would be one of the guys you'd want to see more and more on the court to see what you got for next season. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big, big, big fan of Lou Hutchinson. Um, I can't remember what game it was. Maybe it was the Brown game, uh, or or maybe it was the PC game. I, I don't really remember. But he was great in the zone where they were kind of playing him in the middle of that zone and he was distributing, he was making the right decision. Tremendous shooter, you know, knocked down a couple threes. When I was looking at the free throw percentage earlier, he's actually at a thousand this year. It's only like four for four or something like that. But <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's only played in 11 games. He's actually started three games. I- I'm still excited about what he can become. Obviously, I think the reason again, no inside knowledge of this, but just my opinion the reason that he's sitting is uh, he's a little lacking on the defensive end, but um, but he he played as hard as anyone on this team, so it's certainly not for lack of effort. But I'm still I'm still really high on him. Um, probably needs to put on a little bit more weight, a little bit more muscle. I mean, he's six seven, one eighty five. If he could get to like six seven two ten, something like that, um, you know, all of a sudden. You're dealing with a, a wing with some strength that can drive. Uh, obviously, needs to work on his defense. If his defense improves, I think he could be a really special player here. Liked what I've seen from him so far, but I understand, at least in my opinion, the reason he's probably sitting is because um, he struggles to defend a little bit. And I just hope that him and not for nothing, Rory hasn't been what people expected, but not, I hope him and Rory stick it out and don't put their names in the transfer portal next year. I'd really like to see them have a full summer here on campus, especially with whoever's incoming in. Who knows? I mean, Anthony Harris could show up tomorrow, next day. Who knows about that? And then whatever recruiting class we have coming in. But if you got any closing thoughts about the men there, Dave, maybe we uh, start moving on to the uh, women. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say about Rory, um, and then I can give some closing thoughts, but the thing about Rory is I think he's being asked to play a role that he's never played before, uh, just because this team is so thin up front um, that he's asking, being asked to play the five, and he's not a five. I mean, he's a shooter, so he's more of a wing type. So, you know, I think some of his struggles can be attributed to that, and when when they when they get to a point, which probably won't be until next year where they can use him uh, like they can, uh, or like he, he should be used. I think, you know, we'll, we'll see some steps uh, from him a little bit. Um, And then in terms of just closing thoughts, I mean, to be in, I, 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 this is an ultimate glass half full (laughs) take, but to be in seventh place right now, it's a six way tie and they're probably less than the tiebreakers. They are less than the tiebreakers, but to, to be there right now at this point in the season, uh, given the Balau injury, given the rebuild, uh, given that Ant Harris is not here and we may not see him at all this year, um, it's certainly starting to feel like that. You know, I, I'm just I'm feeling really good about where this team is at right now, and I'm feeling even better about the future. 
I completely, completely agree with you. All right, Dave, thanks for talking about the men. We're going to jump into the women's basketball program. But before we do that, Gary had the chance to sit down with uh, Sophie Phillips and talk about the team a little bit this year. So we'll head to that before we finish up with Dave talking about the rest of the women. All right, Rhodey Baseline fans, we are joined now by Rhodey women's basketball star. And I'm going to say star very, very strongly because she's been having some killer games this year. We are joined on the podcast right now by Sophie Phillips. Sophie, it's uh, great to have you on Rhodey Baseline. Yeah, it's thank you so much for having me. So uh, let's uh, let's introduce you a little bit. So uh, obviously this year, uh, bigger role on the team. Last year, you were a freshman. Uh, but before I was to come to URI, uh, you were uh, named the Rose Classic Super Jam MVP and then two consecutive league MVPs here. Um, and then obviously last year coming in as a freshman, a lot off the bench uh, for this Rhodey women's basketball team. And then a little bit of a um, expanded role uh, here for the for the team this year. Uh, so obviously in the freshman uh, in your freshman year, you uh, played eight games, averaging about four minutes per game with this year, taking a little more of a, an advanced role on the team. How'd your experience from last year kind of help in your success this year? Um, yeah, I think my experience last year like helped me tremendously. I was able to kind of just take a step back. We had a bunch of experienced older players on our team. So I think just having the ability to learn and play with them was just really big for me because it is like a huge jump from high school to college, just with the pace and the just playing with older girls and stronger players. So I think being able to have gone through that with such experienced players on my team, um, I think that helped me grow a lot. Um, so going into this year, I just felt like way more confident in myself, in my game, and then in with my teammates, of course, too. Now, uh, how has the uh, coaching staff helped, you know, uh, Coach Reese and obviously Coach Amadou and Coach Shanika as well? Yeah, they're amazing coaches. Um, I know I've worked with them all the time last year, just outside of practice. Um, so allowing them to help me figure out what I need to work on um, really helped me this summer. Um, and that was this summer was what I focused on um, just getting better uh, individually, like skill wise, but also strength wise. Um, so I would just focus on all those things that they told me. And like going into this year, I try and stay after like every single day. I just just keep improving, you know, um, but they're they've just been they're just amazing coaches. And I I couldn't be luckier to have them as my coach. <laughs> gotta gotta love it here. Now, obviously, you were a new face uh, last year as a freshman coming in, uh, but there's a lot of new faces in Kingston. How have you been able to help them adjust as you were in a similar position last year coming in as a, a new face on the team? Um, yeah, it's definitely a lot different this year again, like basically a whole new team again. But, you know, just trying to help them like with our style of play, because I know I was here last year, so I was able to kind of just play more easily with uh, what the coaches want. Um, so obviously I could help them in that way, but um, it's great because a lot of our new players also have a lot of experience coming from other schools. So they're, they help us a lot too. So have they, uh, has the, um, I would say, you know, you know, coach Reese talks a lot about family. I know you guys still do like the spirit animals, things like that. Um, have you guys been able to kind of, you know, continuously build this chemistry this year with the team? I know obviously new faces, uh, a new little bit of different coaching uh, has kind of helped, but kind of piecing everything together to get the the puzzle kind of together. 
Yeah, I think um, that was a big focus this year, um, just trying to get everybody together um, as much as we could. I think this year we're focusing on outside of basketball, hanging out all the time, doing just different activities and stuff together as a team. And it's just been really fun and um, really fun to just get to know everybody, really. Um, but I think that's translated to how we're playing together on the court. Now, obviously, you guys lose to, to Harvard, go on that win streak, you know, and then obviously have a, a heartbreaking, you know, losses there and the heartbreaking loss at Princeton. How are you able to uh, put that behind you and start out conference play 2-0 this year? Um, yeah, I think we're just taking all of those non-conference losses as just a great experience and like tools to look back on and say, like, we can grow from this. Um, so I think they were really important for us to go through, especially just going to conference now. So we've been through those situations before. Um, so we'll know how they feel like in the future if they were to happen again. Um, so, yeah. And then obviously, you know, first two games of eight and play, you've been able to to score double digits in both games. And, you know, I I know we, we said on Twitter and we went crazy, and, and I think it's not just me, you know, Rotary Rampage and other Rotary fans out there, uh, just kind of saying that, you know, you were a big part of helping close out the game against one of the top uh, teams in the A-10 for women's basketball against UMass. Uh, you know, how have you worked to improve your shooting all around and, you know, being able to to be that force uh, with Dolly being out, you know, with a concussion? Um, yeah, I definitely say my shooting is one of my um, strongest abilities that I bring to the team. Um, so obviously I'm just looking to improve that as much as I possibly can. Um, but I definitely, I'm just from last year knowing like UMass is, they're a great team, great program. So I knew, especially last game, like it was, it was a big one. Um, so I just needed to help my team in any way I could. Now, the final question I want to ask you, this, this is a, it's a funny one that I want to ask, right? So if, if the Roadie baseline fans don't know, uh, your sister also plays in the NCAA uh, for Albany, correct? Yes. Who would you say is the better shooter, you or your sister? Um. Well, we we were actually just talking about this a little bit the other day. I think um, I'm more of a shooter. She's more of a driver. Um, she'd probably tell you the same thing, but yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> that that was one question that I that I knew would uh, would get a laugh out of you right here. So <laughs> you know. I, I and I'm going to say this for my myself and everyone the listeners here at Rudy Baseline like this this women's team is phenomenal. You guys have done great so far in conference play. You know that strong adversity that has come all around from yourself and your teammates. Um, so uh, we do want to wish you the best in conference play. You know, keep up the great work and and just you know obviously keep everything you know keep the team going and and good luck this season and, and just keep that momentum going all around. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Gary. Thank you again, Sophie. And we'll be sure to watch you guys the rest of this year. But, uh, Dave, unlike the uh, men's team, all the women's team seems to be doing recently is win. Yeah. 8-0 in the conference, starting to get a little separation from the rest of the pack, with the exception of UMass, um, which is not surprising. UMass is a very good team. They're not going to go away. Uh, they're going to be there. but. You know, it, it it sure feels like, you know, URI is is poised for a top four finish that double by and hopefully, you know, a regular season conference title. But, you know, obviously a lot of work to be done between now and, and 
when we start talking about that for real. <laughs> right. I think top four is being a little modest. I think it's going to be UMass, URI, one, two, somewhere in that fashion. Yeah. And I think that UMass, URI game, February 16th, in my opinion, needs to be a sold out Ryan Center because, in my opinion, that game is going to be for the regular season conference championship game. Yeah. And, and UMass is going to be going to be pissed. I mean, they didn't play particularly well in that first matchup. Certainly, I've watched a couple of other couple of their other games this year, and they've played a lot better than that. So it, it clearly wasn't their best effort. So they're going to come out and try to punch you or I in the mouth, right? And so they're going to need, yeah, they're going to need that crowd. They're going to need that energy. They're going to need everything because this UMass team is really good, right? I don't. This is to the fans. This is to the students. My next statement: I don't care if you show up for another men's game this entire year. I want 7,500 people. I know it's probably not going to happen, but this, the marketing team, you guys need to get at least 500, 600 students in the Ryan Center that night. That is going to be one of the games of the year. And back to more to the X's and O's, if I'm not mistaken, Rody in their last game against George Mason had the date and transfer. I can't – forgive me for blanking on her name. Yeah. But she played in her first game of the season. That's like – being in the NBA and picking up uh, Robert Williams at the trade deadline to get you through on that stretch run. Yeah, Magasa. Um, she only played six minutes. She didn't um, really put up any numbers, which is fine. I mean, it's it's she's not going to come in and drop a double-double, uh, and she probably won't for the next week or two. But if they can slowly start working her back, that's just another piece. I mean, this team is, as we know, and as Tammy has said, and as everyone that has even watched one or two games this year has said, this team is super, super deep. So this just makes them even deeper, which is which is insane. So, yeah, love to see her continue to come make progress. You know, the, the, the team has had a week off at this point. So that's a week of practices for her. Obviously, they probably wanted to get some rest. They just got through a really tough stretch. They had tough travel um, from St. Bonaventure. They had tough travel from George Mason, I heard. So um, this week off could not have come at a better time. And and I don't think they played particularly well against George Mason, so they needed this reset. And if they can start working her back in with with the team that they already have, you know, this could be a fun last couple weeks of the season for sure. My my next statement or question that we can get into a little discussion about is – Obviously, nobody likes to see injuries or anything, but I think the Dolly Karen's injury, the concussion that she suffered, and knock on wood, thank God she's all right and back playing to her Dolly old self. But (laughs) I think that was great for Sophie Phillips in the way that she was able to get more playing time and great for the team overall because you're looking, you're a coach on the other end. Oh, yay, Dolly's not playing. We just got a 40% three-point shooter on one of the best shooters that Ryan's ever seen. And in comes Sophie Phillips draining threes left and right. Now, not only do you have Dolly banging threes in the starting rotation, but there's no let-up now that you have Sophie and her confidence. And the coaching staff now has the trust in her. Oh, she did it when Dolly was out. Now we can give her more minutes off the bench. And not for nothing, you put them both on the court, you can only double one of them if they're both hot. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to comment on that because Dol- Dolly is my absolute favorite player on this team. <laughs> um, but oh, I love Dolly too. But oh, from man. a from yeah. a depth, it just goes to that depth. You yeah, can take and, Dolly out; she gets in foul trouble, and there's no letdown. 
Yeah, and a development standpoint too. I mean, I don't want to talk. I don't. We're not previewing this UMass game. It's not for another two and a half weeks. But um, one, Sophie was tremendous in that game. She hit so many big threes every time. You know, you or I kind of pulled away a little bit, and every time UMass tried to sneak back in it, Sophie would get a big three or a couple of big free throws. Or you know, she was great. But to your point, Dolly. Missed that game. She missed that UMass game. She'll be back for this one, you know, and she'll want she stays blood healthy. just as much as UMass does. Yeah, provided she'll be healthy uh, between now and then. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to be huge um, uh, for this team. And, yeah, Sophie is an absolute sniper. She is a cold-blooded sniper. I mean, she really I, – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would be willing to guess that 60 70% of the shots she's taken this year have been from 3. Uh I'm, I can look it up right now but I mean yeah so she she just launches and she doesn't miss much. So yeah, her and Dolly even if you just even if you don't put them on the floor at the same time and you take one out and the other team thinks they're getting a break, uh they're not they're absolutely not. So uh she's taken 53 shots. I'm sorry. All right, she's taking a uh, Sophie Phillips has taken 127 shots this year, and 103 of them have been from three. So I'm not going to do that math right now, but she's shooting almost 42% from three. Dolly's shooting almost 39%. I mean, that's ridiculous. Even like uh, Emmy Renat, 36%. I mean, this team can hit threes. And it's funny, uh, <laughs> there was one game, I don't even remember what it was, but the men and the women were playing on the same night. And I tweeted, and and the men were hitting. Uh, it was the Fordham game. It was the the men's game against Fordham. And I tweeted something like, "Oh yeah, Yura is a great three point shooting team. Everybody knows that." Like kind of a sarcastic tweet, but I didn't say whether it was men or women. And all the women's team was like harping on it. They were like jumping on it, and I was like, "Hey, this could be a non sarcastic tweet about the women too. <laughs> They're a tremendous three point shooting team. That's not how I intended it, but it works both ways." So. Yeah, um, but yeah, the, this and and the deep and you know with Maya Torre, uh, yeah, this there's a lot to be excited about this team and and I I refresh net every day. I have a tab open on my <laughs> browser for the women's net. I refresh the bracketology every day. Uh, just super excited uh, for this team this year and a big 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 uh, final eight games coming up for them. Right, and that's you bring her up, but it's crazy. We've talked about Dolly. We've talked. We've talked about Sophie. We've talked a little bit about Emmy Renat, and we're forgetting about Haddix Covington. All these other ones, but how? How all these other ladies? But you, we forget how deep this team actually is. We haven't talked about Emma Squires yet, the transfer from Richmond, who's been shooting the lights off and is that nice veteran piece, and how great the depth is. But we've talked about the depth, the team. And we keep forgetting, and you just brought her up, how we have a player of the year candidate in the conference, and she's not even one of the top three or four things that we talk about when covering this team. It's crazy, that- yeah. And we haven't even mentioned Cece Lassiter or Inez. Or, I mean, this team is stacked. So uh, Dutat we had mentioned. I mean, geez. Um you have enough so, ladies on this team that would be starters at any other school in the A10. It you theoretically, if Coach Reese wanted to, you could bring it back to my rec league basketball league where you would play one whole quarter, sit a quarter, put in a whole new lineup for that entire quarter. You could do that with this roadie women's team and probably still get a top four finish. 
you could split them into two teams. They both might finish top four. <laughs> um, li- literally, I-, I legitimately believe that. So, yeah, um, you know, but but back to this upcoming stretch, uh, it's it's not easy. I mean, the the break is huge. The break is the perfect time, as I'll I'll continue to say over and over. But you know, St. Joe's next, then Davidson, then GW. Um, then a little break with VCU, who's not that good this year, but then UMass, then Joe's again, then Fordham. I mean, these are all, all of those teams I mentioned, with the exception of VCU, they're all competing for the top four finish. So that VCU game scares me. That screams trap game. Very well, could be. And it's it's on the road, too. Yeah. 12 o'clock at the Seagull Center on Super Bowl Sunday. Yep. That screams trap game. Yeah, it's on national TV, which which hopefully will will help give them a little bit of juice. But yeah, yeah, I mean, and VCU has snuck up on on a couple teams this year. But yeah, I mean, and and they finished the schedule with Dayton, which is at home, so that but shouldn't Dayton be too bad. Yeah, not team, Dayton of old. Oh yeah, that Dayton team last year was scary, and and this this year's team is scary in the a opposite, different way. <laughs> whatever the opposite of that is, yeah. The coach left, and then everybody left, and yeah, yeah. but. But yeah, I mean, this, you know, this next stretch, even if you want to, you know, ignore that VCU game for right now, St. Joe's at home. St. Joe's is very tough on Wednesday night. I think that place is going to be rocking. I hope it is. Um, Then at Davidson, which I think is going to be a tough game. Davidson is is really coming on. And then uh, GW, thankfully, that's back at home. They do have to go to St. Joe's again. Uh, They do have to go to Fordham. Uh, obviously, the UMass game in two and a half weeks that we mentioned, that's at home, thankfully. But, you know, they haven't lost at home yet this year, which is a good feeling. And and obviously, they've been tough on the road because they're 17 and three. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough stretch to try to earn that that top that top seed, that regular season title, because um, they're in the driver's seat for right now. They're, they're controlling their own. I hate saying control their own destiny, but they are. But it's it's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough sledding for them. So coming out of this break, hopefully they've they've gotten healthier, they've gotten rested, uh, they've gotten sharper because uh, they're going to need it. Oh yeah, yeah, they're going to need it. I think outside, I'm worried about the St. Joe's and the UMass games, but other than that, I could see this team going on a very hell. I could see them going sixteen and zero in conference play, but obviously things happen. And making it to Sunday, because if they do make it to Sunday, I'm supposed to be going to Disney the weekend of the A10 Women's Tournament. But if they make it to that Sun, if they make it to that Saturday Sunday, my flight home on Saturday might be rerouted through Philly and making a pit stop in Wilmington. Yeah. And how's that? And forgive me for not knowing this off the top of my head, but they didn't change the women's schedule like they changed the men's schedule this year, did they? No, I think not they're that still weird rogue day off. I think they're still Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So, so, they'll, so they'll, Friday, they'll start Saturday, playing Sunday. on Friday. Yeah. I think the bracket's already out. I think the games on Saturday are at like eleven and one or okay. twelve and two, and okay. then the championship games I think at noon on Sunday. But yeah. Either way, if they make it to Sunday, I can't speak for Gary, but he might not have a choice after the Davidson Road game if I'm driving. That <laughs> that drive home might not be going up to West Warwick back to his apartment. It might be going south to Delaware. Nice. The night. But, um, uh, I was going to say, speaking of the A10 tournament, um, you know, uh, Quinnipiac knocked Rhodey out of the uh, women's NIT last year in the first round. They extracted their revenge over them 
back in non-conference play. St. Joe's, uh, who they play on Wednesday, knocked them out of the A-10 tournament last year on the Friday, their first round game. Oh, I remember that one. I was there. That was that was brutal. Yep. So they owe them a little something, too, on Wednesday night. And St. Joe's is, is struggling a little bit right now. So I, I think they're catching them at the right time because I do think they're a very good team. But they, they just – I watched um, – I watched a good amount of that game. Uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, Sunday, uh, against uh, Richmond, which was a heck of a game. They lost uh, 94-90 in overtime. They've lost four out of their last five. St. Joe's has their only win over St. Bonaventure, who's kind of the punching bag in the conference right now. So, um, and, and their win before that was against Loyola and St. Louis. There are the two wins. So, they haven't, haven't really – anybody. They haven't be, – I mean, they beat GW and LaSalle on the road. But those are their only two real signature conference wins. So um, if they can come out, uh, if you or I can come out, and I think they will come out with energy. I don't think there's going to be any of, uh, you know, we had a week off. We need a little bit to get going. I think they're going to come out and really take it to them. And I I hope they do because that'd be a big win coming out of the break to kind of kick off this this stretch run. Right. Yeah, because if. If there's anything we learned from the coaches show with Tammy, these ladies love playing and they're itching to get on the court every single time. So I don't think you'll have that layoff, but I, it may be too early on January 30th with a little over a month left in the regular season. But if the season ended today, according to bracketology, URI gets the AQ bid and they're in no questions asked. Where are your thoughts? If they, Make it to that Sunday. Say they beat UMass this Wednesday, but have one that Wednesday game, have one game between now and the end of the season, but make it to Sunday. Do you think and UMass is that team that they lose to at in Delaware on that Sunday? Do you think this team has done enough to get an at-large bid? Like UMass stole Dayton's with Dayton able to get in last year. Do you think this could be a two-bid A10? Or do you think it's a one bid? Whoever wins the conference tournament is in. It's going to be difficult um, for sure. Um, whether you know you're speaking as a UMass fan or speaking as a URI fan, I mean they're the only teams with even a remote shot of an at large, and I do think it's remote at this point. Um, you know they're going to have to go. Either you, uh, this is you know if any UMass fans are listening, this is speaking for them too. They're going to have to go probably fifteen and one. Uh, or 16 and 0. UMass can't go 16 and 0, but they can go 15 and 1 um, <laughs> in the conference. And they're going to have to get to that Sunday, and then we'll see. Um, but it, it's going to take a pretty damn near perfect rest of the way for URI or, or UMass um, to get that at large to turn this into a two bid league. Obviously, if URI were to win the regular season title, that would even if it's at 15 and 1 and UMass is at 14 and 2 or something like that that would obviously look favorable to the selection committee if they're the regular season champion and losing the finals but you know looking at their net and looking at who the net teams are in um you know the last four in first four out last four buys area of ESPN's bracketology there are good 15 to 20 spots out uh, of where they need to be. And I think David's, uh, sorry, Dayton's net last year when they got the at-large was somewhere in the 30s. I mean, URI is somewhere in the 60s right now. So it could be even more than 15 to 20 at this juncture. So 
just just keep winning. That's just that's it. Winning. It's just keep winning. The the net will take care of itself if you keep winning. And especially since you know, like I said, there's a lot of good teams left on this schedule. So yeah, that those UMass wins team, are going to help. Yeah, I think could be a quad is a quad. If I probably would be a quad win, quad one. Yeah, yeah. The UMass, um, you know, obviously the um they don't do quads in women's which is weird um but yeah they do like wins over net net 1 to 25 net 1 to 50 uh 26 to 50 etc cetera, etc cetera. but um but yeah like i said a lot of good teams left on the schedule any of wins against you know Fordham Joes UMass uh Richmond they already played but Davidson um GW those are going to help those are going to help the net tremendously so just keep winning. That's all just they can keep do. Winning. Yep. It's like the old saying from Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. But in yep. this case, <laughs> just keep winning. All right. I think that covers pretty much everything we got, Dave. I want to thank you for joining us on this podcast. Maybe we'll get you on right before tournament time starts, or we'll wrap it, or maybe knock on wood, a women's run. And if we're really lucky, maybe the men shock the world. And maybe we're talking NCAA tournament time for the men. But with that being said, Rody Baseline fans, thanks for joining us. Um, thank you again, Dave, for joining us. And if you guys want to, make sure you guys reach out to Gary or I or Rody Baseline Twitter to get some of those Super Bowl squares and helping us donate some money over to Live Like Russ Foundation. Thank you all very much for joining us. And as always, go Rody. Yeah.